Well, good morning for about the fourth time. <laughs> I promise you'll have no more of me now. Well, that's not true. I'll close in prayer. But, you know, it is my privilege and my pleasure to introduce to you our guest speaker today. Brett Allen is the uh, district superintendent of the Northern California Nevada District of the Assemblies of God. And we're also pleased to have his wife, Valerie, here with us. Um, they tell you a little bit about Valerie. She's like an HGTV gal. Um, she, uh, we, I don't know how many of you know this, but we have a missionary village down in Sacramento that consists of six homes that the district had the foresight years ago to buy, 20-some years ago. And when our missionaries come stateside to, uh, to do their fundraising to go back out uh, in the field, they get to stay at these homes. And Valerie just took over the responsibility of this and man we've got we got new wood floors in there and new paint and it's just being upgraded and she's got a real eye for that so uh, i really enjoy what you did val and and what you're doing there we appreciate you so much but uh, you know brett is a man whose heart i love he is a man of utmost integrity um, he is passionate for the lord and and he's a very strong leader, but he's also a very wise leader. The man is, is wise beyond his years. And, and I'll tell you what, I have learned so much from him in the time that I have been in this district, and he's been my leader. He's an awesome presenter of God's word, and he operates with great sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. As I explained earlier, we just completed our 2023 district council, and I know that it's been a hectic and a busy week for him. And I'm sure <laughs> that his body would rather be resting today and sitting in that pew and listening to someone preach. But that kind of, again, tells you more about his heart. We talked a couple years ago, and we've, we've got a date set up that every Sunday after district council, providing he's not traveling, he'll be here at High Point. And I thank him for that. But I love this man dearly. I not only consider him my superintendent, but I consider him my good friend. And I want you to stand to your feet and give him a great high point welcome, Reverend Brett Allen. Well, good morning. Great to be here today. You know, there are some churches when you're uh, at the end of district council, there are some churches you, would, uh, you, 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 you just don't want to go to. <laughs> and then there are some churches that are safe, and they are friendly, and they are kind, and, the, and you know that it is going to be such a warm and great experience that you do not want to miss. And High Point, that's the kind of church that you are. We, we value the opportunity and the privilege of being able to come and be on this campus anytime your pastor invites us. So thank you very much. Uh, the spirit of this church is obvious from the time that you pull in until the time that we leave. And all of that flows from the top down. Spirit gives birth to spirit as flesh gives birth to flesh. And one of the questions we very infrequently ask ourselves when we are accepting leadership responsibility in the church is, is my spirit of the variety that we can afford to have it birthed into other people? And praise the Lord for the spirit in this house because it has come from Pastor Dave and Lisa and their lives and their spirit and it is obvious that their spirit has permeated this place and I sure love that. 
I want to pray for you before I bring you a message of encouragement today. Father, thanks for this day. And thank you, Lord, that even though this is on mine and Pastor David's calendar, Lord, this date has been on your calendar since the very foundations of the earth. God, you set this plot of land aside at the foundation of the earth to declare good news. Lord, this has been in your mind this day that your word would touch our lives and our hearts and minister to us. And so, Holy Spirit of God, we recognize your authorship of this text. We recognize your presence in this house. We declare our dependency upon you in these days that can only be described as last days. And so, Lord, we invite you to be our chief communicator. You would speak to men and women and young people. God, if I talk today, we'll forget by lunch what was said. But if you'll talk to us, we'll be thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. So please do what I can't do today, Lord. Please do what no sermon can do. Minister independently, individually to each man, woman, and young person in this place, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, Valerie is uh, quickly becoming uh, Joanne Gaines in our circles. The problem is I'm not Chip. That's the problem. And she looks at me as though I'm Chip because she watches too much Joanna. And she looks at me and says, could you just? And any time she says just, I know what that means, that it's really simple and I should be able to. But most of the time, I can't. Praise God for contractors who love Jesus. Hallelujah for those guys. In the last days, God says... I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy in the last days. It's an interesting statement. It's a statement that was never intended to capture all of our attention. We talk too much about the times we're in and not about what God said he's going to do once we found ourselves in those times. You see, Jesus went out of his way to identify the last days. Paul went out of his way to identify the last days. We should not be surprised that we are in these times. We should not be surprised at the condition of our world. We should not be surprised by the moral decline of our day because we have known this day was coming. We have known it because Jesus told us that it was going to be like this. Paul said it was going to be like this. Paul said this. But mark this, mark it. There will be terrible times in the last days. 
People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. But mark this, Paul says, these days are going to be terrible days. And then Jesus says this, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples come to him privately. And they say, tell us when this will happen and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Friends, please grab those words, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Jesus wants you to know what's gonna happen. Now, Paul's gonna talk about the people, but Jesus is gonna talk about the condition of the world. And Jesus says, I don't want this to freak you out. I don't want this to scare you. I don't want you to be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over and persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increased wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. But he who stands to the end, stands firm to the end, will be saved. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. There's two pictures. There's a picture of the last days, and there's a picture of what God is going to do in the last days. And my friends, you get to focus on which one of those two pictures you get to put your attention on. Where you are going to spend all of your thinking and your conversation and your prayer and your energy. Are you gonna focus on what's going on in the world that is negative and hard and terrible? Or are you going to present your attention to the fact that God is doing something in these unique times? These unique times that we're living in are not intended to be the topic of our conversation and to scare us and to freak us out. They are intended only to identify the time that God is gonna start doing something by his spirit in a unique fashion. I will. God says it right in there. Right between these two pictures is one of the great guarantees of all time. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I've never known a time where people are more concerned about the events that are taking place in America, around the world. In a recent conversation, I was talking to a friend regarding the topics of global events, and my friend said, I don't want to talk about it, I stopped listening to the news, I stopped watching the news, it all scares me and I would rather just not know what's going on. 
This head in the sand approach is not effective, nor is it recommended. At the same time, people say that they can simply feel the shifts in society. All of the events that Paul talked about are commonplace. All the events that Jesus talked about are commonplace. The disciples were hearing about what would one day happen. You are living in those days that Jesus described. They are read as current event. When Jesus tells you not to worry, it's because he doesn't want you to worry. He wants you to know what's coming next when the times begin to be identified so clearly. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. These two words, I will, they change everything. It's not perhaps, it's stronger than that. It's not speculation. It's not vain hope. It's, me, it's not me just trying to get your faith up. It's assurance because God said it. It's a guarantee because God said it. It's a promise because God said it. It's a pledge from God. It is a vow from God that in those days, he's gonna start doing something new and different. It's an affirmation. It's a commitment from God. When God says, I will, then that's the end of the subject. That's, that's just it. It's done. I will. It's accomplished. It's reality. Those two words should do something to you, and they should do something in you. They should do something for us as we realize where we are strategically placed on the timeline of humanity. It should create excitement perspective, understanding, and great engagement. I was driving down the road. I was minding my own business. I drive about 40,000 miles a year in my car, and I was just in one of those days, and a rock hit my windshield and cracked my windshield. I thought, well, crud. Well, crud, that's just, this isn't good. I'm glad the rock didn't come through the windshield, but this just isn't real good. I, I had another rock at the same time hit my license plate and cave it all the way in so you couldn't even read any of the numbers on it anymore. So there was a rock truck doing his job on California's highways. <laughs> I have blown three tires in the last four weeks on potholes in Sacramento. I love our highways, they are awesome. I get to work on prayer and patience and self-control and all of these things out there with a million of my closest friends, most of them I don't think really have a driver's license. <laughs> so I made an unscheduled stop in my neighborhood at a glass shop and I walked in, there was nobody there but me, and I walked in and I said to the gentleman, I have a rock chip in my windshield, would you fix it for me? He said, well, let me look at it. So we went out and he started rubbing my windshield with his hand, and he said, what do you sell? I said, I'm not a salesman. He goes, you're on the road all the time. What do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. 
goes like it at church. He said, yeah, that's the type. He said, you don't look like a pastor. I said, what does your pastor look like? He said, I don't have a pastor. I said, you don't have a pastor? Do you go to church? He said, no. I said, let's review. You don't have a pastor, you don't go to church, but you know what pastors are supposed to look like? How do you know what pastors are supposed to look like? He said, well, I have another customer who's a pastor and you don't look like him. I said, fair enough. He said, uh, but you're really a pastor. And I said, yeah. He said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, is there life after death? I said, sure there is. He said, how in the world do you know that so quickly? I said, give me your hand. He handed me his hand. I said, see those fingerprints there on the end of your fingers? I said, they're unique to you. Your DNA is a one of a kind. No one else has ever had it. Your retina belongs to you only out of all of mankind. I said, God went to so much effort creating you and it wasn't for 50 or 60 or 70 years. It was for all time. As a matter of fact, God is busy today with you on his mind preparing a place that where he is, you can be with him for all eternity. You were designed to live forever. He said, uh, you know, I'm just not sure God even exists. I said, well, that's fair. I, I, I said, um, would you like to get that question answered? He said, could we do that? I said, no. I said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna put my hand on you and I'm gonna pray. And when I start to pray, God's gonna show up right here in your glass shop. And you're gonna know that you know that you know that he exists. He goes, well, I'm not ready for that. I said, how come? He said, because I'm a Muslim. And I said, well, that's okay. God's preparing a place for you for when you get this question all straightened out, he'll be ready to spend eternity with you. I said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna come back another day and I'm gonna ask you again if I can pray for you. He said, okay. So I stopped back by just a couple of weeks ago and I said, hey, you remember me? He goes, yeah, you're the pastor. I said, that's right. I said, I got another rock chip. Can you take a look at it? He said, sure, I can. So as we're looking at my car, I said, uh, I said, hey, can I pray for you today? He said, you know, not today. I'm just not ready. I, I'm a Muslim. I said, I know you keep telling me that. That doesn't bother me and it doesn't bother God. Why does that bother you so much? I said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. While you're working on my windshield, I'm just gonna pray for you, just to myself, quiet. He said, okay. And I said, and every time I drive by your shop, I'm gonna pray for you. And one day I'm gonna pull in here and I'm just gonna ask you again, can I pray for you? I said, are you okay with our relationship going that way? He said, I'm absolutely okay with that. In the last days, God says, I'm gonna do some new stuff. 
There is a move of God going on right now. The Christian pastors are having in-depth conversations with Muslims about the reality of God and the reality of who Jesus is. In our district presbytery a year ago, January, we started experiencing a move of God. In our district councils for the last two years, we have experienced a move of God. Across the life of this district, churches are calling for nights where they're just lingering in God's presence so that the Holy Spirit can show up and begin manifesting in people's lives. In our regional connections where the district officers are traveling the life of this district, every time we pray, we just barely begin our time of prayer and the presence of God floods the room. In Elk Grove, I was visiting a service with Valerie and the service started and the next thing I knew, I was standing on the front row and the next thing I knew, there was no room for me to stand. I had to move out into the aisles to get out of the way of all of the people that rushed to the altar at the beginning of the service. The service that night went four hours with people moving in the gifts and people being filled with the Holy Spirit and people being healed. At James River Church in Springfield, Missouri, there's a revival that is going on and Val and I tried to go there on a Wednesday night prayer meeting and we left at dinner at a quarter of seven and we said, we're going to James River and they said, don't even go. I said, what do you mean? They said, you'll never get in. The place only seats 5,000. You'll never get in. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of documented healings that are taking place and hundreds and hundreds of people coming to Christ. There is a move of God going on in this country. When God says, I will, that isn't an indication that God intends to do it all by himself. In everything in Christianity, there is your part and there is God's part. Now, where we get into trouble is where we expect God to do our part for us. Or where we think God wants our advice on how to do his part. As a matter of fact, most of our prayers are about telling God what we need him to do for us or how he needs to do his job better in areas of our life. The victory is ultimately going to be the Lord's. And in this time, in this day, in this age in which you and I are privileged to live and are honest, honored to minister, the supernatural is demanded. We have left the age of apologetics in the church. We are no longer going to win people to Jesus by arguing with them. We're no longer are we going to be able to say, my life is better than your life, and so you need to have a life more like mine. People are more affirmed in their sinful lifestyles right now than they have ever been. As people are more divided and more argumentative in every walk of life, the last thing people need is a Christian who wants to show up and argue with them about their life. People are becoming more and more spiritually interested in the answer coming from us, coming from the church of Jesus Christ, 
has to be with the supernatural, with signs and wonders following after us. It is not a day for Christians to follow after signs and wonders. It is a day for signs and wonders to follow those who believe. God is doing what only God can do, but we have to step into the situations and open our mouths and have the conversations and be willing to pray the prayers for God to show up supernaturally in a moment. Nothing will win the battle that we're in like the presence of God. We're not just needing God. We are desperate for the power of God to move in us and on us and through us. Finney once said, theaters are full and churches are empty because the world tells a lie better than the church tells the truth. As Val and I have been traveling this year, we have noted the churches are getting fuller and fuller and fuller. God is on the move and churches are responding by allowing the Holy Spirit of God. I'm not talking about Sunday morning in an hour and 15 minutes. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. That's you, Monday through Friday, allowing the Spirit of God to move through you in the circumstances, in the situations in which you find yourself. In the book of Luke, chapter 14, Jesus tells a parable. In the respect of time, I'm not gonna read this whole passage to you, I just wanna review it with you and summarize it. Jesus says when you invite people to a lunch or to a dinner that you're putting on, you invite everybody. In this parable of the great banquet, there is an invitation for everybody to come to this banquet. And excuses are made about why people can't be there. And the master of the banquet becomes frustrated. And he says, go out into the highways and the byways. Go out of the normal group. Those people who don't want to be here, they don't have to be here. Let's go let the people know that they're not even invited. Let them know that they're welcome to come. They come back and they say, we've done it, but there's still room. And he says, then you go out and you find the blind and the withered and the lame and you bring them in to this house so that my house will be full. What we have all been through in the last three years was not intended to discourage you It was not intended to beat you down. It was not intended to have you throw your hands up in the air and just say, I guess I'm gonna stay home and watch Joel Osteen. It was intended to position the church uniquely for this story to be repeated in our day and our age that there are people who have decided they're not coming back to the house. That's fine. What we need to do is we need to go to the people actively and let them know that they're invited because some of them don't even know they're welcomed at the banquet. They don't even know they're welcomed here. And Monday through Friday becomes an incredible opportunity to let people know who are hurting, 
who are lost and who are living lifestyles that are completely at odds with the word of God to let them know that they are welcome in this place. Compassion, mercy, and purposed kindness. Empty seats are not a disaster. They are to refocus us to the mission of letting people know that they are loved and they are welcomed and that God has a place for them in his kingdom. It's time for this parable to be reenacted. There are those who have deliberately said no. I don't want to engage. I don't want to be involved. I don't want to attend. Let's go after those who don't even know they're invited. The Bible says to compel them to come. That's a strong verb. It means to bring about by force. It's beyond opening a door. It's beyond sending a three-color flyer to their mailbox. It's going to where they're at and having interactions with them about them on their turf and letting them know that they are welcome to be a part. Into the highways and byways letting them know that they are wanted. In the late 1960s, a group of people in this country were pushing all of the established boundaries, all the norms and all the morals of our society. Their expression of life and sexuality and drug usage, they pushed the boundaries as far as they could manage. And when they finally arrived at the extreme, they were met by a reality that nothing there provided satisfaction. These people then miraculously turned to Jesus. And the hippies became the members of the Jesus movement. While the church struggled with appearance, dress code, hairstyles, Jesus did a redeeming work. I was eight years old, and I remember the hippies coming to our church. The choir wore robes. We had two instruments, a piano and an organ. And I remember the hippies coming in with no shoes and guitars in their hands. And our pastor's name was Walt Buck, and he said, you're welcome, have a seat here, have a seat here. It was a beautiful time in my childhood. People who didn't know they were even invited flooded their way into the kingdom. I believe the next Jesus movement is at hand. What if the people who have been ignored or worse, disregarded, maybe even denied, what if they become the birth of the next Jesus movement? We have groups in our culture that are pushing boundaries to the extreme of all that we know and all that we hold valuable. It won't be much longer until they arrive at a point of no satisfaction, no answer, nothing that they were hoping for. When there is depravity, separation, 
and dissatisfaction with lifestyle, when there is hopelessness, God will move in on desperate people. When people are lost and seeking, the ground becomes fertile for Jesus-style evangelism. The crowd will listen because they're going to see the power of God manifest in you and through you. This will result in changed lives. People's lives will change. Seeking God. A couple of years ago, they weren't welcomed, but now they're the next wave of what God's doing miraculously, and the church gets to be a part of it. Which group will it be? The homeless? The LBGTQ community? The backslidden? What if God is waiting for us to make sure, to make certain that we will treat his kids with respect before he sends them to us? We've had a lot of ministers move out of California to Tennessee. We've had a lot of ministers move out of California to Colorado. We've had a lot of ministers move out of California into Texas and into Southern Idaho. And I said to the Lord one day, how come you like Tennessee so much? How come you keep taking all my guys and gals and sending them to Tennessee and they don't send anybody back? What are we doing here? Lord, you told me in your word to pray to the Lord of the harvest and you would send forth workers. So let's just do that today. You send forth workers because I'm talking to you about it. And the next day, the Lord had a man call me who used to be an Assemblies of God pastor but had a morals issue in his life and was dismissed from our fellowship 23 years ago. And he said he wanted to talk to me. So he came to my office and we had a talk. And he said, these are the last days, pastor. I said, I know. And he said, and I'm on the sideline and I'm missing out because of something I did 23 years ago. And I'm here today to ask your forgiveness and to find out if there's anything I can do to be reconciled with you and with the assemblies of God. Is there any way you guys can use me again? Next month, he gets his credentials back. Praise the Lord. So then I prayed again. Lord, you're the Lord of the harvest. I need some workers. Please send forth the workers. You guessed it, another dismissed minister called me. We had another set of conversation and his credential is currently in his back pocket and he is ministering today. You know what I think? I think that the Lord has a lot of really good ministers that we have overlooked and he is doing his very best to put them back in front of my face because 25 years have passed, 30 years have passed and I owe it to them to go and take a look at them one more time and the Lord of the harvest is sending me people I didn't expect and I believe that's what the Lord of the harvest is gonna do in this place. 
I believe that God is gonna send you people that you don't expect. I think that the people that are coming and are gonna fill seats and are gonna be active in ministry are people that wouldn't even be on your hit list. They wouldn't be the people you were seeking out, but they're the people that God loves and he has been holding them back from churches until he knows and he knows and he knows that there's gonna be a reception for them when they come that is correct for the people that he loves and that he died for. The church is at a moment. It's that time. It's the last days. There's lots of empty banquet halls. Are we going to be okay with our banquet hall? Or are we going to go after those who don't even know that they're wanted or welcomed? Will we compel them? Will we expend effort and compassion? Will we exemplify functional humility instead of debating and insistence upon being right with different subcultures of our country? Functional humility was beautifully modeled by Jesus. Jesus who humbled himself and put others first. Jesus who was without sin could hang out so beautifully with those who couldn't go an hour without sinning. We also watch Jesus rebound beautifully from disappointment with others. You see, humility is just your strength under the Holy Spirit's control. Great humility while continuing to lead effectively in challenging days. What a powerful combination. There are two pictures in the last days. They're gonna be terrible times. They're so terrible that Jesus stops and says, but I just don't want you to be alarmed by this. Paul pulls no punches in describing how self-focused and self-centered people will be. How they will even hate God. The other picture is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit where sin abounds, that much more grace abounds. We get to choose, not just as a church, not just as a denomination, not as a group, but as individuals, which one of those pictures we're gonna focus on? Are we gonna focus more on the ills of society or are we gonna focus more on the fact that God says when society gets really sick, he's gonna pour out his spirit? And that the young and the old and the men and the women, everybody is gonna be included and everybody is gonna be involved and God is purposefully making it possible for that. The Holy Spirit's moving in our nation. The Holy Spirit is moving in our state. The Holy Spirit is moving in this region. And we are blessed because we get to be a part of it. This is an amazing day to be alive. This is an amazing day to know Jesus in a personal way. This is an amazing day to be a spirit-filled Christian. 
If you aren't, if you aren't filled with the Holy Spirit, this is a great, great time in your life to seek that because we need that right now as the church of Jesus Christ. I want to close this service in a little bit different fashion before I turn it back to your pastor. See, you and I can talk to the Lord of the harvest. We can talk to him about our society. We can talk to him about our neighborhood. We can talk to him about our family members. We can talk to him about our kids. We can talk to him about all kinds of stuff. And God's going to do his part. But friends, I'm going to tell you something. God's not going to do your part. We have got to step up and step into some circumstances and some conversations with functioning humility the way Jesus demonstrated. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand in a commitment. But before I ask you to stand in commitment, I want you to know that in just a few minutes, I'm gonna get in my car and leave, and so you're not making this commitment to me. You're not making this commitment to this house. You're not even making this commitment to your pastor. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to make a commitment, but the commitment that you're gonna make is gonna be to God, and I I just wanna let you know, when we make these kind of commitments to God, God takes them super seriously, and he makes note of them, and he never drops a detail on it. So before I even ask the question, I I just wanna specify what we're talking about. Here's my ask. If God were to prepare this week a God-given opportunity for you to step into, would you do it? Would you step into the conversation? Would you step into the moment? I guarantee you that for most of us, when God moves and gives us an opportunity, it's gonna be an interruption because we're all busy people. So first of all, I want you to know it's probably gonna come as an, as, a, as an imposition. It's probably gonna come as something that interrupts your life and your schedule, like a rock chip in your window. And the next thing you know, you're in the moment and you're in the conversation. If God were to present to you an opportunity, would you step into the opportunity and have the conversation and the highways and the byways of this community and let them know that they are welcomed in this place and that they are welcomed in the Lord's kingdom. If you'd say yes to that invitation, would you please stand to your feet? I think it only fair that I should pray for you and pray for your week because there are going to be some unbelievable opportunities presented to you. This is a picture of the church being the church. Church doesn't take place on Sunday. Church takes place seven days a week, 24 hours a day. This is our time 
of worship and celebration and equipping so that we can go out and be the church. And even right now, God is readjusting your week for you to have an encounter with somebody. So let me pray for you. Father, you see each of us that stand. Lord, a church filled with people who are ready to interact with the people that you bring across their path. Father, I pray for a couple of things. First of all, Lord, I pray for that divine appointment, Lord, for it to be set even now. God, that even now you would establish that moment in time. Father, secondly, I ask that you would give my brothers and my sisters the wisdom to recognize the moment when it happens. That they wouldn't see it as just another thing, another event, another conversation, but Lord, it would be quickened upon them that they are suddenly standing in an appointment that you've created for them. And then Father, I pray that you would grant them a quickening of the spirit. Father, that you would supernaturally use them in these moments. Grant them love beyond what they possess. Grant them compassion beyond what they possess. Grant them power from the spirit to be able to discern and have words that are filled with your wisdom. Lord, I pray for those moments. Holy Spirit of God, that you would use them. That you would use them, God, to bring your kids home. Lord, I pray for the fact that this week some will find you and some will begin a process where they find you. And Lord, we are completely okay with however you do it. We just want to be used in divine moments, God, that you set up. Bless my friends with good health and safety this week. Bless them, God, with great wisdom and sensitivity as they listen to your voice. And Father, I pray for the dozens and dozens of meetings that are gonna take place across this community, that God, you would prepare hearts and minds for people to be receptive to the love of Jesus as extended by this church. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Brett, thank you for that timely word. Thank you so much. I don't think I need to pray you out of here. I think that was a phenomenal prayer at the end, but I do want to thank you for being here today. Let's give uh, Brett and Valerie one more round of applause. Thank you for coming to Red Bluff. We love you and we appreciate you so much. So you are dismissed. Have a blessed day.